Uh, Open your Bibles with me to Numbers chapter 10. Numbers chapter 10. And let us start with a word of prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we come before you, uh, Lord, in Jesus' name. And above all, Father, we want to thank you, Lord, so much. Father, we pray that uh, our gratitude, Lord, would come right from the very center of our hearts. Uh, Lord, it wouldn't be something that we say because we're supposed to, Lord, that there would never be any kind of religiosity to our relationship or walk with you. God forbid. Uh, Lord, but we would enjoy the relationship that was uh, won for us, Lord, that was made possible by the blood of your own dear son. Lord, and if you would send your only son, Father, whom you love, to be tortured and to be murdered and to be killed and his blood to be spilled out so that we could be called sons and daughters, Father, How great must your love towards us be? And God forbid that we would take that for granted. And God forbid that we would take that lightly, Lord, or not use that love and use that grace that you've given us, Father, at so high a cost, Father, to run and to chase, Father, after the perfection of the cross. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us, all of us, Father, for our laziness, Uh, Lord, for our unattentiveness, Lord, for our distraction. Lord, we every single day find ourselves unworthy of the love, Father, that you bestowed upon us. And yet, in spite of that, Father, your grace is new every morning. Every single morning, you love us just as much as before Jesus died on the cross for our sins, Lord. We never disappoint you, Father, because you see in us something that transcends ourselves something that goes beyond the filthiness of our own flesh, Lord. You see in us a treasure that's there, Lord. We confess to you so often, we can't see it. Lord, but you, uh, you, have, <laughs> you have found us, Lord, and you've called us. So, Lord, we pray and ask, Lord, as we study your word together and as we gather together, Father, that we would be people who are seeking after a closer walk with you and that we would not be satisfied, Father, with the status quo, Uh, Lord, that we would look to giants of the faith like Chuck Smith and Spurgeon and Tozier and Paul, and we would say, why not me? Why can't I have a walk with the Lord the way they did? Father, there are men and women just like us, Lord. Uh, The only thing that they had that we don't, Father, is a willingness and a desire uh, to put you in front of every other thing. Uh, Lord, and, and we can't do that on our own. So we pray and ask that you would make that so in our hearts, Lord, and all the more as we see that day approaching. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, Numbers chapter 10, <clears throat> we're going to be doing a little bit of a, a study on trumpets this morning. Numbers chapter 10, starting with verse 1, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation and for directing the movement of the camps. Uh, When they blow both of them, all the congregation shall gather before you at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. But if they blow only one, then the leaders, the heads of the divisions of Israel, shall gather to you. When you sound the advance, the camps that lie on the east side shall then begin their journey. When you sound the advance the second time, then the camps that lie on the south side shall begin their journey. They shall sound the call for them to begin their journeys. And when the assembly is to be gathered together, you shall blow 
but not sound the advance. The sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow the trumpets. And these shall be to you as an ordinance forever throughout your generations. <clears throat> when you go to war in your land against the enemy who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets. And you will be remembered before the Lord your God, and you will be saved from your enemies. Also in the day of your gladness and your appointed feasts, and at the beginning of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, and they shall be a memorial for you before your God. I am the Lord your God. And so God now is instructing Moses in this portion to construct two trumpets. <coughs> Excuse me, <clears throat> two trumpets, and they were to be of hammered work. That is the work of a, of, a, of, a, of a craftsman, not of a molded work. They were to be hammered out, made out of silver, and hammered out and fashioned into these trumpets. Now just imagine again, if you will, the size of the congregation of Israel, anywhere from one million to two million people. Uh, you know, they, I think it was, it was hundreds of square miles that the camp covered. So these trumpets would have to be something else, right? And they would have to be of a size and of a quality that when they were blown, the people would know and the people would understand exactly what was happening. These trumpets were different. There's many different kinds of trumpets. Uh, and we're going to kind of go through that in the Old Testament and talk about trumpets. But there was many different kinds of trumpets, of ram's horns, uh, uh, of sheep's horns, there was trumpets of, of, of brass, and there's trumpets of, of these, like these of silver. There's many different trumpets throughout the Old Testament, and there's different trumpets that were used for different purposes. But these two specifically were, given, uh, were to be given to Moses to give to the priest to blow concerning the congregation of Israel. When it was time to move out, when it was time to gather the assembly, when it was time to advance to go into some sort of warfare... And before the appointed feasts, these trumpets were to be sounded. And no doubt the trumpets were very distinct. Uh, no doubt that, that when people heard these trumpets, they knew. There was something about these trumpets that they knew. You know, I, I, I wonder in, in conjunction with, uh, you know, Dad talks about the, the Temple Institute. We went to Israel. I've only been once. Uh, highly recommended if you've never been. But we went to the Temple Institute and they had a reconstruction of the menorah. And... Uh, they were telling us how they can't build it uh, per the instructions of God to Moses. It's not possible. Uh, they have to put iron in, in framework inside of it to make it stand. Otherwise, because it's gold. Remember, it was pure gold, and it's a large lampstand. It's, it's huge like this, but huge. And the arms would simply sag down because gold is not a hardened metal. And so they had to put framework in there. And, 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 you know, and the guy at the Temple Institute is telling us very matter-of-factly, and I'm like, I guarantee you they didn't put metal framework in the menorah in, in, this, in the wilderness. Why? Because God didn't tell him to. God said made the whole thing of gold, hammered work of gold. And so you wonder, either the craftsmanship was, you know, and there's so many things like this. If you guys you know, watch modern marvels and ancient wonders and all these, some of these shows that are on TV, some of the things that they were doing back in ancient Egypt, you know, they, they found like models of what looks like airplanes, like gliders from, from, the, from Egyptian days. What the heck is that all about? You know, could they fly in some capacity? 
We have no idea how they built the pyramids. Absolutely no idea. Uh, I, 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 if I remember correctly, even with, with our modern technology and machinery, we could not build the pyramids. And, and, they're, and, they're, and how the heck did they do these things? I don't know, and I really don't care, quite frankly. Uh, I, my interest only goes to a point. But my, my, the point I want to make is, what manner of trumpets were these? Was there some sort of, uh, of, of, of not in the, in the silver itself? We know that there's, there's nothing holy. There's nothing that is spiritual uh, in, in anything that's material. But when God ordains something, like the Ark of the Covenant, or the, excuse me, I always say that because of Indiana Jones, but the Ark of the Testimony is actually called. <laughs> so when I say Ark of the Covenant, just remember that in my head I'm going, because that's what happens. Um, but the Ark of the Testimony, uh, it was gold. Uh, it, was, it was made of, of wood and then overlaid completely with gold. It was just a chest. But God, somehow, his presence dwelt in between the cherubim on what was called the mercy seat on the top of that Ark. And the power that came from that Ark and exuded from that Ark because of God's presence there was amazing, was astounding and frightening and fearful. And so I wonder this for all of these different things concerning the tabernacle. It wasn't just a, a trumpet of hammered work. It was a divinely inspired trumpet of hammered work to be put into the service as God had instructed. So I wonder, what did those trumpets sound like? This is what I think. In my head, in my mind, I'm thinking, they didn't sound like any trumpets you've ever heard. Uh, and, and down through, through the history of the nation of Israel, we get into the time of Solomon. And of course, the kingdom of Solomon is just, when we get there, it's just absolutely amazing. It's absolutely astounding, uh, Solomon's kingdom and the things that he accomplished and the things that he built. And the, just the immense, uh, the magnitude of the temple that he built. Uh, and, and, and it was different from what God had instructed Moses. It was on such a greater, grander scale. You know, and I always wondered, you know, obviously God ordained it, God, or God blessed it. You know, God's presence comes at the dedication of the temple when they bring the ark and put it into the holy place, and the presence of God filled Solomon's temple so that all the priests had to leave. They had to come running out because God's presence filled that whole temple his presence was there in such a mighty way that they couldn't stand in there. So obviously God blessed it, um, but there's nothing there of where God said, Solomon, this is how I want you to build the temple. He blessed it. He used it in all of its magnitude and all of its greatness. But when God instructed the children of Israel to build the tabernacle in the wilderness, to me, that's where I really see God. To me. For me personally, from what I know of the Lord and what I've read from Scripture and how I see God interacting with his kids, give me the simple tabernacle with animal skins just exactly the way God had said to build it over the grandest temple with the gold and jewels in, 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 in such an amount that when you walk in, you would, you'd be floored, absolutely blown away. When they built the temple after... The Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple was destroyed and the children of Israel were taken completely into, into captivity into Babylon. When they came back from captivity and they rebuilt the temple, it says that the old ones wept. They wept because they remembered Solomon's temple. They remembered Solomon's temple and how grand it was. 
and how amazing it was. But for me, personally, give me the tabernacle in the wilderness. Any day of the week and twice on Sundays, give me the tabernacle in the wilderness. Because God's divinely inspired word and will was fully realized there. And it was simple. It was amazing, but it was simple. You come and look at this model. You're like, that's it? Simple. But when God is there, there's nothing that can't be. And so when God says, I want you to create these two trumpets of hammered work, of silver, and I want the priests to blow them for this occasion and that occasion, I think that when they blew those trumpets, it was more than just a sound of a trumpet that happened. Think of the cloud, pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, the presence of God. And when it lifted up and moved, then the children of Israel would move, and that's when the trumpet would sound. What do you suppose that trumpet sounded like? I just... What do you suppose happened in the hearts of the people? And it all surrounds, and it all goes around. God's will, God's word, God's direction was there and being kept perfectly. Wow. Which then I always think, what would my life look like? Right? Because I'm just a simple man of animal skin. You know what I mean? There's nothing flashy or fancy about me or any of us really. But what God can do <laughs> with a hammered work, <laughs> you know what I mean? And boy, you know, and when the apostle talks about us being hard-pressed on every side, beaten down and pressed on every side, but not crushed, but not destroyed. And then when we hear him say that as he cried out to God about the thorn in his side and God says, my strength is made perfect in weakness, Paul. My strength is made perfect in weakness, I'm not looking for the grandest thing. I'm not looking for the greatest thing. Now, listen, I hate to do this to you, but have you guys ever seen The Last Crusade? <laughs> Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade? <laughs> I can't help it. It kind of goes. I'm sorry. And you're looking for the Holy Grail. There's no such thing as the Holy Grail. Spoiler, okay? There's no such thing as a Holy Grail. But. You remember when they finally get to the end and they go through, and, and I've been in that, you know, the castle that's built into the side of the mountain that they get to where all the, the booby traps, I've been there. That's in Jordan. That's Petra. I've been there. And I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. I'm expecting booby traps and walkways and the leap of faith and all that. It's just a cave. There's nothing in there. I was horribly disappointed. Horribly, right? Like, you call this Petra. This is... So he gets through all that, and they finally get into the room. Remember, there's the, the ancient knight from the Crusades that's still divinely alive because he, he, he drank from the, from, the, from the Holy Grail, and Indiana Jones has to find it. Which one is the Holy Grail? Which one is the, is the, is the cup of Christ? And it's him and the bad guy. And the bad guy looks, and the bad guy sees this golden chalice with jewels all around it. And he goes, that's the cup of a king. That's the cup of the king. And so he takes it and he dips it in the water and he drinks it. And then he... In, 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 in classic Indiana Jones fashion, he melts away into a skeleton and turns to dust. I love it. And the knight goes like this. He chose poorly. <laughs> and now it's Indy's turn. And now it's Indy's turn. And all these golden cups and all these fancy things. And then he sees this little clay cup. This little simple, ugly little cup. And he said, that's the cup of a carpenter. 
Say whoever knew that you could preach out of Indiana Jones movies, right? But can you see what I'm saying, right? It's a dumb movie. But the point is made. That's the cup of a carpenter. God is not looking for the fanciness. God is not looking for the flash. You know, so much in the church today is flash. So much of what's happening in the church today, and listen, I am so grateful. I'm so thankful. I mean, some of the, these songs that we're singing, a lot of these new songs that we're doing that I don't know about you, but to me, I'm singing them. That's like, I'm ready. Like, I'm like, it's like rapture practice. You know what I mean? Like, I expect to be taken up mid-verse, you know? <clears throat> and, but they're done these amazing worship teams from these ginormous, massive churches. But what worries me and what concerns me about these, these, these things, and, and, and I'm not to judge, I'm so grateful for the worship, but that, but that Christ would be lost. And the meaning for even gathering together would be lost because of the, of the concert of it all. Because of the beauty of it all. Because of the entertainment of it all. And it's so beautiful. It's so amazing to see hundreds and hundreds of people. You know what I'm saying? All from all different kinds of walks of life gathered and just worshiping with all their heart, it seems. And it just is so beautiful and it's such a wonderful thing. And I'm always thinking, man, I'd like to attend one of those, one of those services. But then I wonder what word would be brought to go along with the worship? What word would be brought? Because what's most important is the word of God. What's most important is that we honor the scriptures. That's, that's what's most important. Again, please, I'm not putting down any churches, but maybe I'm putting them all down, right? I mean, I don't care. Joel Osteen can't beat me. You know what I'm saying? Fight me. <laughs> I don't care. Like, like I'm, I'm serious. Like, and, and, and I'm not trying to judge anybody, but if I'm judging anybody, if, then so be it. Because God's word is preeminent, and the truth of God's word comes before every other thing. And you can have the best kind of worship in your life and you can have all sorts of amazing experiences, spiritual experiences in your life. And if you don't know what the word of God says, you're missing the boat, brother. If we don't know and understand what God says and what God's commandments are to the church, we're missing the boat completely. It doesn't matter how good the worship is. It doesn't matter how dynamic the preaching is. It doesn't matter how cool and how many tattoos the preachers have. I would have tattoos, but I just know how stupid I'd look in them. You know what I'm saying? I'm a fan. I like the whole, I like the sleeve, like the rock has. You know what I'm saying? Like the, I like it. I think it's cool. I just realized what an idiot I would look at. And I always picture Nikki, right? Anything that I'm about to do, Mike, I picture Nikki and her response. And you know, here's typically what the, what, what the look is. It's usually something like that, you know? <laughs> or super cool pastor, you know, or something like that. But God is concerned, God is concerned with what's on the inside. God is concerned with it at the heart. And God, God so often, and you see everything he does in the simplicity of it. God's not looking us for, to, for us to match what's in heaven, please. God's looking for us to honor his word. God's looking for us to do the things that he's called us to do. Now, speaking of trumpets, uh, interestingly enough, their introduction to trumpets when it comes to their relationship with God is an interesting one and a fearful one in Exodus chapter 19. You can turn there if you like. 
Exodus chapter 19, starting with verse 16. <clears throat> Exodus 19, 16. You guys remember this, and I'm going to read it in the King James Version because it's so much better. In the King James, this one verse anyways. I love it. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that, were, that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mountain. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly and when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and God answered him by a voice and the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. This is a supernatural trumpet, the voice of a trumpet. This is the trumpet coming from Mount Sinai that is altogether on a smoke. And we watched a special <clears throat> about the real Mount Sinai in Arabia. Uh, not where, not where tour, tour guides are taken and stuff like that, but the one that's in Arabia, which is where the Apostle Paul says it's, it's in Arabia. And that's why these people started looking here. And there's this mountain range and the, and the Bedouins and the people that live there uh, who are who are Muslims Muslim Arabs? They 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 told the Americans when they got there, this is this is the mountain of Moses. This is the mountain of Moses, and the entire top of the mountain, the whole range, but the entire top of the main mountain is black. The whole thing is black, as though the entire thing was on fire at one point. And the Bible says that the presence of God ascended on the mountain. I mean, what does that look like? The mountain was altogether on a smoke. And there's, trump, there's thunders and lightnings and, and, and the, the whole mountain is shaking. And there's this trumpet that begins to blow and louder and louder and louder. And then the voice of God and the people are just freaked out. If you remember reading this chapter, the people are scared to death. At one point they tell Moses, now listen, you go speak to God. <laughs> and then you tell us what he says because we don't want to be anywhere near that because we're scared to death. And so that's one aspect of the idea of the trumpet, of the divine, of a divine trumpet. It's displaying the awesome power and glory of Almighty God. It's to make the people called to attention, but also to put them in fear of Almighty God. Okay, so there's, there's one. Uh, in Numbers chapter 31, verse 6, we're going to see these trumpets used uh, specifically here. Then Moses sent them to the war... 1,000 from each tribe, and he sent them to the war with Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, with the holy articles and the signal trumpets in his hand uh, as they went out to war. <coughs> in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 23 and 24, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to the children of Israel, saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convoca convocation. Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 9. <clears throat> then you shall cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound 
On the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all of your land. So you have the feast of trumpets and you have the sounding of the trumpet on the Sabbath, but then 10 days into the first month, you have, and this is going to be in the, this is only in the year of Jubilee, you have this additional blowing of the trumpet. Um, let's see. On the, day of atonement, on the day of atonement, you should make a trumpet to sound throughout all of your land. And this is where he's talking about Jubilee. So here we have these signal trumpets used now. You have the calling to war, you have the moving of the people, and now here is God calling these convocations and calling the people to him in worship uh, to celebrate these specific feasts. Various other trumpets in Scripture. Uh, Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, in, in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 4. And those were ram's horns that were, that were used. Uh, in Judges chapter 7 and verse 16, the trumpets of Gideon's men. Remember, each one of Gideon's men were given a trumpet uh, and a jar and a torch. There's 300 men. So 300 trumpets. And then in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13, we read about the temple musicians and all the, all the trumpets that these various priests had. I believe it was 120 trumpets that were used in the worshiping of God. So all of these, 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 these trumpets that are used, various forms of trumpets used for various, various different activities, for worship, for calling the people. But there's an idea here. There's a, there's a, there's a theme here of the trumpet. But... There is a separation, there is a vast difference between all these other trumpets that were blown for various things and when God was sounding the trumpet to call the people to his attention. It's, it's a completely different thing. And these two trumpets are a part of that. And I just wanted to read a couple other uh, portions of Scripture. Um, and this is where it pertains to us. <laughs> Matthew chapter 24 and verse 31, Jesus says, and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And, 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 I, and I, what is that trumpet going to sound like, guys? Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So now imagine, if you will, and we're going to be moving into Revelation here just for, just for a, couple of cover, a couple of verses, but that, that trumpet from Mount Sinai, when the children of Israel before Mount Sinai, and, and Moses gathers the people there at the foot of the mountain, the mountain is all together on a smoke, and there's this trumpet that grows louder and louder and louder and louder. I wonder if that's what the trumpet is going to sound like. You know, what is that trumpet going to sound like? In my mind, this is going to be the trumpet of God. This is going to be that divine trumpet, that divine trumpet that sounds calling his elect. And imagine, if you will, we want to talk about fear. And I don't know if only we are going to hear that trumpet or is everyone going to hear the trumpet. Yeah, the verse is about the princes and the kings of the earth calling for the mountains to fall on them. And hide them for the face of the Lamb, because the great day of His judgment is come, and who can stand? So I wonder how many of these things, because this is the beginning of the end, and how many of these things are going to be absolutely heard and absolutely visible to the people of planet Earth. Imagine hearing this trumpet that grows louder and louder, and being completely confused as to where this trumpet noise is coming from, and graves are opened up, and people are coming forth from their graves and glorified bodies. 
And then Christians who are alive at that point are changed, are translated and glorified, and then ascended to heaven to meet with Jesus Christ. Now that's a trumpet. Can you imagine that? Uh, A couple other verses. Uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, of course, John on the island of Patmos on the Lord's day. And remember when Jesus appears to him, it says his voice was like a trumpet. Uh, And then when John is translated into the spirit in Revelation chapter 4 verses 1 and 2, John says, after these things I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, that was Jesus, remember, was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And so there's this trumpet that he says came from the voice of the one who first spoke, which is Jesus Christ. And instantaneously John's in the spirit. It almost looks, sounds like the rapture, doesn't it? There's this trumpet. Is it, and remember back in, 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 in Exodus, it says the voice of the trumpet, the voice of the trumpet. Is it, is it Jesus speaking? I mean, we have no idea. This is all 100% conjecture other than the fact that we know what's going to happen because the Bible says so. But so John hears his voice like a trumpet as the first in Revelation chapter 4, and instantly he's in the spirit standing before the throne of God. Pastor Chuck used to say that he thought that was a picture of the rapture. <clears throat> and then finally, the last trumpets that we read about in the Bible are horrible <laughs> Uh, awful trumpet judgments of Revelation, chart starting in chapter 8 of Revelation. We start reading about the trumpet judgments. Um, and there are seven trumpets that sound. And we'll finish up with this. The first trumpet that sounds, the vegetation is struck. Uh, and, 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 and much of it is destroyed. The second trumpet, the seas are struck. And, 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 and I think it's a third of life in the seas dies, and it stinks. In the third trumpet, the waters are struck with wormwood, and it became unclean. And the fourth trumpet, the heavens are struck, and the, and, the, and the sky is scorched. The fifth trumpet are the locusts that come up out of a pit to torment mankind. The sixth trumpet, and I always forget about this until I revisit it, and then I'm horrified all over again. The sixth trumpet is this demonic horde, this massive army, the Bible says 200 million in number. 200 million in number. And he describes them, these creatures from the river Euphrates, and they're sent across the earth to destroy, I believe it is a third of mankind. Now, interestingly enough, with the trumpets, you have these awful judgments that get worse and worse and worse and worse, these trumpet judgments. After the sixth trumpet, we have a break before the seventh trumpet, interestingly enough. And remember, John is given that little scroll to eat. He said it, it tastes as sweet as honey, but then when, it was, it was in his, when, it, when he ate it, it was bitter. The aftertaste was bitter. And then right after that, we have the account of the two witnesses that are sent to planet Earth to proclaim the gospel, to call out the kingdom of Antichrist for being exactly what it is. 
and the, and the armies of Antichrist and the people of the city and all these other different groups of people try to kill the prophets. They try to kill them to silence them from the words that they're speaking. And every time that people approach them to kill them, the Bible says fire comes out of their mouth and consumes them. That's going to be interesting, right? And then eventually the Antichrist is given the authority and the power to kill the two prophets. And they lay dead in the streets and they, people refuse to bury them. And they gloat over their bodies. And it says that they give gifts to one another. They make a holiday out of their deaths because of how they had tormented the people of earth. And then on the third day, God raises them to life and they go into heaven in front of everybody. And that's when the seventh trumpet sounds. And the seventh trumpet is interesting because it's different than any other trumpet. Um, and let's, let's turn there and then we'll finish with this. The seventh trumpet, Revelation, and it's in chapter 11, <clears throat> verse 15. Now, all of these horrible judgments have taken place, and then there's this break after the demonic horde is set loose upon planet Earth. There's this short break. John has his, 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 uh, um, his meeting with the angel when he eats the scroll, and then you have the account of the two witnesses, and they're killed, and then on the third day they raise up, and, and God takes them up into heaven. And then the seventh angel in, in Revelation 11:15, then the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, we give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come because you have taken your great power and reigned the nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. So the very last trumpet that we have in the Bible, in the entire, in the entire word of God, is this seventh trumpet, when the kingdoms of this world are made the kingdoms of Jesus Christ. It's incredible. And it's interesting, too, because if, if you do more of a word study with trumpets and you go through Kings and Chronicles, when a king was anointed, there was a blowing of a trumpet. There was a proclamation and the blowing of the trumpet when they were anointed king over Israel. And it's interesting to see the same thing with, with, with Jesus Christ here in Revelation. That's it. That's all I got. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, we, we thank you for the, for the great promises, Lord, that you've given us. Uh, Lord, and we ask and pray, Father, that um, you would help us also to have um, a very sober-minded perspective, Lord, of um, this earth, Lord, and that it belongs to you, and that we would be like the children of Israel, Father, in the sense of understanding your awesome power, Lord. And when we think about the trumpet that we're waiting to hear, Father, uh, we ask and pray, Lord God, that before that trumpet sounds and before the trumpet's after that, Father, that um, you would help us to be the people we need to be, Lord, so that we can proclaim the gospel to as many people, Father, as would be saved. Lord, and that many people would be brought into the kingdom before these dreadful things take place on planet Earth. Father, we pray that you would help us to be faithful to your word, uh, Lord, to, to in our hearts to remain simple, 
Lord, to, that, to be, want to be a work of you, Father, not anything of, of, of fancy, Lord, or of, of, um, of, of magnitude, Lord, but simply simple vessels, uh, Lord, called by you, and the ministries that you give us, Father, and everything that we do would be done according to your word, Father, as you've called us to do it, that we would be faithful to you, Lord, and to your, and to your word. We ask and pray, Lord, that um, you, your will would be accomplished in us and through us and in this church. Uh, Lord, and we just pray that you would continue to instruct us, Lord, and continue to draw us deeper into our knowledge of you through the study of your word, Lord, and through our relationship with you, Father. We, we praise you, and we thank you, and we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, everybody.